everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. I'm I'm up to about three or four steps. Walking has never been so cool, ever. Um, on Tuesday, Lord willing, I should be able to kind of begin to put kind of more weight bearing, um, kind of add on each day, and then hopefully by Thursday or Friday, I should be back to basically no no scooter and be able to walk um, to the places I need to go. So I just want to give you an update on the Alex Achilles injury update. And so there you go. Uh, God is good. And we're starting a new series today uh, that actually is focusing on the, the goodness and specifically uh, the generosity of God. And we wanted to do this at this time of year because uh, the Christmas time and as we approach Thanksgiving, um, it's usually a time where we're kind of really filtering a lot of things. Uh, we're filtering things like, uh, what should I be giving to others? What will people be giving to me? All the things that I need to get done in this whole like holiday experience. But I want to just do a little informal survey uh, before we get started. How many of you believe that you can listen to Christmas music and like put Christmas decor up as early as like, let's say November 1st? Anybody? Okay. I had some, I had some hands go quick. Okay. Who, now this isn't like to divide the church here, but it could, um, who here is like, you can't even hardly mention Christmas until Thanksgiving has already happened. Any, anyone in that group? Okay. How many of you are Grinches? No, just kidding. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Uh, but this time of year, you know, we all kind of have these experiences of the holidays. And, uh, you know, we've been in this culture now where it just speeds up every year. We start earlier talking about Christmas and giving and receiving and gifts and all, and all that stuff. And what I thought we could do over the next few weeks is really look at how a relationship with God allows us to look at the holidays differently. And specifically, it's, it's how we see things. And so we're going to be focusing not on necessarily what, what do we have to give, but how has God given to us? Uh, because really, God and his generosity to us, as, as he's poured out himself, uh, he's decided to make some things known to us as humans. He, he made us, and therefore, he actually wants to relate to us. And he actually does want to uh, create life in a way where he can be experienced, he can be known, and also that, that he, can, he can bless us. And so we're going to be looking at how that relationship with God really does a filter into our other experiences, specifically uh, this time of year. And if you notice on the front of your program, uh, it's called Immeasurably More. You'll see it up here. And the imagery there is just this idea of what if we actually tapped into all the resources and God himself? What would it look like if we just had all that God wanted to give to us and, and it was real? It was something that we have actually been blessed by. And in the scriptures, that comes from, uh, the, in Ephesians, there's a, a quote that says, we've, we've been given immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So there's this perspective there that God's actually given us more than we can even kind of fathom in our minds. It's immeasurably more. It's something that you actually can't quantify. You can experience it, but you can't quantify it. How would that, knowing God and all that he's given it to us in an immeasurably more way, how does that actually impact us? And that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, but if you're like me, a lot of times the holidays 
uh, bring up a lot of like expectation. I think even now, like thinking about Thanksgiving yesterday, I watched like a Thanksgiving special food network and I was kind of pumped about all the different food and all these expectations. And that, that just that happens. And we all have expectations over the holidays. And a lot of times what happens, we have different things that we want to see happen. And then we also have all the different things that we need to get done. And over the holidays, a lot of times what happens is anxiety in normal life begins to creep up and it can even like heighten and get pressurized even more this time of year. It just seems like there's more to do and less, less time to do it. So a lot of times what happens is the holidays can actually be a very anxious time, a time where it can feel overwhelming. And so our goal is how do we actually get the most out of this time? And so as we're looking at Thanksgiving, which is a few days away, the question I want to ask is, how can we actually approach Thanksgiving and have this deep gratitude that, that is real? How can Thanksgiving actually be something that's more than a meal? That's more than football. That's more than a day off. That's more than Black Friday. If you're, I could do another survey of that. Right? But I won't. But there's so much that's packed in it. But what if we got to the core of what Thanksgiving is actually all about? And it's not just even an American holiday. Thanksgiving is actually something that we were made to do. We were made to give thanks. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of how has the generosity of God put us in a position to actually give thanks. So I want to spend some time looking at the scriptures, specifically uh, the character of, of David. And David was a king of Israel, and he wrote uh, some psalms. And I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, but over the last two months, I've been spending some time in the psalms and just reading about a relationship with God and different people, specifically David, how is he, despite the things that he's faced, how is he related to God? And what were the tough questions that he asked of God? And what were the, the hard things that he faced? And what were some conclusions that he made? And if you've never read the Psalms, they're in the middle of your scriptures, or in the middle of the Bible, and it, it's poems and it's journaling, and it's kind of this, this in-depth look of what a relationship with God looks like. And so I want to spend some time looking at that because it gives us a lot of insight this morning on what Thanksgiving and giving thanks is, is really all about. And there's a kind of a common theme that you find in the scriptures and specifically in the Psalms. As people are like evaluating life and as they're experiencing life, they're trying to make sense of how does God fit into all of that. And that's the same thing we try to figure out. We have our lives, we have our work, we have our schedules, we have all the responsibilities we have. A lot of times we're trying to ask, how does God fit into this? And what does God want in these different areas? And David asked similar questions. And he faced a lot of really difficult times. And I'm going to read from a psalm in Psalm 63, where he's in the wilderness and he's being chased. Some believe it's by uh, the Saul, Saul, who was the king. And some believe it was from Absalom, his son. Either way, he, his life was under threat. But he came up with this conclusion you could see on the screen, and that's, Lasting gratitude is found in God, not our circumstances. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I tie thanksgiving into what, what I have. Like what, what I've been given. So as I want to give thanks, I kind of look around and I see well, what, what I've been given. What are the things that I have? What are the things that people have given to me? What are the blessings that I, that I have? The problem is sometimes if that's circumstantial, 
your giving is tied directly to just this look that you have. Well, I, I actually don't have all I want to have. Or I don't have as much this year as I did last year. And maybe the relationships aren't as strong that you had. Or maybe the, the, the money you once had is not there. And you begin to look at your circumstances. And if that's our only bearing for giving thanks, then sometimes that can be like a roller coaster. What David did in this psalm, and we're going to read it together, is he pointed not to his circumstances, but, but to God himself. And he came to a point where he was able to actually look to God and give thanks despite some horrible things that he was facing. So he's in the, in the wilderness or, or the desert, and he, he's alone, and he's running for his life. And his identity is kind of stripped, and his influence is minimal. And he's really under a tremendous amount of pressure. And so you'd think at that time, when you're at the lowest of the low, really giving thanks is the last thing you want to do, right? I know for myself, when the stress is up, and when I, I'm feeling down, and when I'm feeling like everything's just not going my own way, and it's not working out how I want, usually that's the hardest time to be thankful. But David gave us some, some really valuable lessons. So I want to read that and then kind of break it down. And what did he show us about who, who God is? And so I'm going to start in Psalm 63 and read verses 1 through 8. You can follow along on here or in your uh, program. There's a listening guide. You can read it on there as well. This is what it says. This is David crying out to God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So picture this. He's actually there. He's in this wilderness desert. There's no water. And he's using this, this real life experience and comparing that, like knowing you, God, is like having water in this dreary land. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This doesn't seem like just kind of a casual relationship. This is a deep relationship that David had with God. And he had had an experience with God again and again, how God had come through for him. And so what David is describing is actually this intimate just relationship that oftentimes uh, we may not have experienced ourselves with God. We may not even have experienced it with other people. But there's this, this sense of this is a, a relationship that, that he can't live, live without. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to break it down and pull out the things that David had experienced that caused him to be able to say this. And it's found in this psalm. He has just these different characteristics of God. And so as we talk about immeasurably more, it really does start with this idea, well, then who is God? And what has he given to us so that we can actually think we have more than we ever could imagine or we could ever need? And so I just want to walk walk through that. So he says a few things uh, in there. You, you see that he's, he's relating to God as personal. Oh God, you are my God. God can be known. He's talking about a real relationship. Right there, that's, that's a challenge because sometimes our relationship with God is not necessarily personal. It's maybe an idea or he's a presence or he's distant. 
But what David is saying is, oh God, you are my God. I follow you. He has direct experience. It's real. And then he describes some characteristics. He's powerful and glorious. He's faithful and loving. And, and he's provided help. And so he's just unlocking and he's just showing all these people that as you read this, this is who God is. He's personal. He's faithful. He's loving. He's, he's real. He's near. And he's saying this in the midst of, again, some, some terrible circumstances. So I want to just start with kind of each point related to that. And it begins with the phrase, since God is. And that really is the key to gratitude. To really have thanksgiving be within us and it be real, we actually, actually have to look at who God is and, and why can that make us thankful. Oftentimes we look at our circumstances and what we need and if, again, if that's not met, it's hard to choose to be thankful. It's hard to choose gratitude. But when you look to God, He can become the basis of what we have to be thankful for. So it begins, since God is personal, I can have a real relationship with Him. If it's true that God has more than we could ever need, if we know Him, then we tap into His resources. And who He is, He wants to give to us. And oftentimes, we kind of take that for granted, the fact that the glorious, powerful God wants to have a relationship with us. And not just to be a dictator of our lives, to actually be personal. Like a father cares for his children. That's what David is describing. Since God is personal, I can have a relationship with him. The reason that's important is if you can have a relationship with God, then you can take that relationship wherever you go and whatever you face and you have God to turn to. If God is not personal, if you turn to him, do you know if he's there? But if he is, if he can be known, then you know as you call upon him, he, he will answer. So God being personal is, is everything, especially in the midst of really dire, dire times. He also says some things about his power and glory. So since God is powerful and glorious, I can rely on his provision. And he makes the statement, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Power there is mighty strength. So he's saying, God, I've seen that you have mighty strength. And you have to read the Old Testament to fully appreciate a lot of those statements. Because what David is describing, again, is this personal experience. He's seen God act. This is the same David who fought Goliath. And he overcame him against tremendous odds. So when he's saying, God, you're powerful. I've seen your power and your glory. He's reminded the same God who allowed me to overcome this mighty foe is the same God that walks with me right now in this wilderness. So he's drawing on his experience with God. And the glory is, is the splendor. He's basically saying that there, there's no one like you. Not only are you mighty, but you're, like, you're not mighty like a warrior is mighty. You're mighty because you're God and there's no one that compares. So not only are you personal, but you have the strength and the separation from even just us being human to actually help us. You can actually meet the needs that I have whether it's material or whether it's internal. You can actually meet those things. And he goes on, since God is, is faithful and loving, I can find real satisfaction. So he's talking about just 
a personal relationship. He's talking about provision. And then he goes on further and he actually just ties it to knowing God brings satisfaction in life. That's something to be thankful about. If you're satisfied, there's a, there's a calmness you have. There's a peace that you have in life. Everything is good. Life might be crazy, but I'm satisfied. Everything is, is good in the midst of that. This is what he says. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Since your love, your love is amazing. That's why I'm going to sing songs to you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Now, I'm just going to stop there because we're approaching Thanksgiving. Okay? And there's a feeling we all have after we eat Thanksgiving usually, which is like, not just satisfied, it's like, oh. Like, you kind of move beyond satisfaction to the point of pain. You guys know what I'm talking about. But it's like not Thanksgiving unless that pain has come. What David's describing is not the pain of knowing God. It's that satisfaction where you actually don't need to eat anymore. Because there's no hunger. You have exactly what you need. Now, for some of you with food, that, that may not make sense. I know for me sometimes, like, what, what is satisfied without pain? But in relationship with God, it's this, this understanding of he, he's going to give me what, what I need. When you think, of, think about anxiety, oftentimes what it is is there's a need that we have that's not been met. And we're uncertain. That's where anxiety comes from. There's a need that we have that's not been met. And we're uncertain. What David is describing is, I'm sure there's tons of needs he's thinking about right in the moment. Like, how am I going to get out of this situation? How am I going to have shelter? How am I going to have safety? So how could he, in the midst of this, say that? God can bring satisfaction. Well, he goes back to his character. He's describing his love. It's better than life. That goes back to being personal. See, the fact that God is personal is so important because he's a loving God. So as you relate to a personal God who is loving, he pours that love to us. He pours his provisions to us. And then he goes on. He says, since God has been my help, I can have confidence as I face the future. Since God has been my help, I can have confidence as I face the future. Verse 7, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. There's this phrase, in the shadow of your wings. You actually find that in the Psalms a lot. And... I don't know about you, I've heard that. I grew up in church. I heard that phrase a lot. And I've even sang songs, you know, saying, like, in the shadow of your wings. And what does that really mean? It's, it's actually a, a weird phrase. Like, hey, you go home safe, drive safe in the shadow of the wing. I hope you are. You know, we don't really use that. But it's this idea of it's like this protection, like a bird would protect the young. Like they're just flying right under here. No one can get to them. There's a cover. They have protection. And the shadow is the reminding of there's something bigger than I am that is over me. That's what David is describing. Just like a little young bird has the shadow of the big bird. (laughs) I said big bird without meaning to, but I just kind of thought that was funny. Um, 
It's the same way. Like once we see the shadow, it's the reminder, like there is God and he's personal and he's loving and I can find safety in him. And this is what David is describing. And then he goes on further. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So not only is there protection and you cover me to the point where I'm safe, but you, you actually uphold me. There's a sense in which my life is held by God. My life is held by Him. Again, that makes sense because if He's personal, He knows us. And He knows our life and He knows all of what's happening. The reason those are so important as you read the Psalms is it actually, what David is describing, is what every single one of us, we need. We actually all need protection. We are made that way. When we are unsafe or without peace, our life is very unsettled. We actually need provision. There's things that we need in life that if we don't have, it's actually hard to live life. Life is very unsettled. Uh, we need personal relationship. If we don't have personal relationships, our life is very unsettled. Uh, we need confidence as we face the future when Things are unknown and we think life is just going to end because we don't know what's next. Life is very unsettled. So what David is showing us is the very things that we were made to need, God can meet those needs. And what David is describing is in the midst of all that's happening, I still have these needs. But this psalm is an expression of where he turns when he tries to get them met. And he decides, I'm going to turn to God. He is the one that will meet my needs. He's the one that will refresh me, that will bring me satisfaction. And that's why God has given us immeasurably more. Because in him, in God, we actually find a well that will not run dry. That's what David is leading us to. In God, we find a, a well that will not run dry. I was reading this past week, a verse in Isaiah 58, it, was, it tied to this, this exact thought that David expressed in Psalm 63. It says this on the screen. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Have you seen the yards recently in Southern California? Anyone just kind of, it's just, it's sad, right? I mean, it's not because we're trying to save water. But a brown lawn, a dead lawn, it just does not look as good as a green lawn. It just doesn't. And that's why all these cities, they're putting signs up like, I know this looks terrible. But don't be mad at us. We're trying to help with the drought. I don't think they could fit that on there, but that's kind of what they're trying to say. Like, pardon the look, there's a greater need going on. But when you see a well-watered yard, you don't want to have the well-watered yard right now. Like, you don't want to be that person. So we're all saving water and you're not, right? But once you see a well-watered yard, the grass, it's, it's, it's growing. It needs to be cut. There's this growth that happens. And they're using this, this the writer's just describing this. A well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. Uh, you know that the water's not working when the things begins to die. 
And what this is saying is, is there's tremendous growth when you allow God to be the well that is watering you. That's where you're getting your resources from. That's where you're getting your, your satisfaction from. You're not looking at it anywhere else. Just like a well represents refreshment. You go to the well to get the water out. And that quenches your thirst. That's what all these, these, these people who are walking with God, they're describing. He's the well that he will not run dry. And so both of these scriptures describe this, this refreshment. So oftentimes, when we think about being thankful, it usually begs the question, well, what, what do I have to be thankful for? Or it gets to the point where, well, I, I, just, I just need to be refreshed. Once I can get refreshed, then I can start filling in the blank. And we can look for refreshments in so many different ways. Whether that's in other people, whether that's in a vacation, whether that's in some sort of entertainment, some sort of fun. We all have just kind of, this was what will refresh me. And refreshment in itself is not bad. But there's the idea here that both these writers are saying, real refreshment is found in God. That is the refreshment that lasts. I want to close out with another scripture that describes this. And it's really this idea of walking in the Spirit. That's what it means to walk with God. You walk in His Spirit. He is with you. He guides you as you face things. In Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, it really is giving two different versions of how to receive this refreshment. And it says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so basically, Paul, who we've been looking at this past series that we just wrapped up last week, he's describing there's two groups. There's people that will decide they need to be filled with spirits. The party life. Like, that's where I'm going to get refreshed. The party life. And they look to things that will take their mind off of their life. Off their pressures. Off their stress. And so they look for something external. And that's one avenue you can take. But what Paul's saying is, don't do that. It leads to debauchery. Debauchery is this just, it's a crazy havoc life. Where nothing is settled. Things keep getting messed up and re-messed up. It's reckless. Relationships are reckless. Circumstances are reckless. And saying that that's, that's not the life that's refreshing. There's nothing that you can pursue that's going to give you this, this feeling that you want. And this is what happens a lot of times as people approach the party lifestyle, as people approach a relationship. They're always trying to figure out, where can I find the satisfaction and the feeling that I long for? why so many people are they're drawn to this party life because it gives them that feeling which they think meets their needs what paul's saying is don't do that your life will just unravel instead be filled with the spirit and then he describes what happens when you're filled with the spirit you actually have this this gratitude that flows from your life because you're tapped into god and his resources you remember what he's done you remember how he's come through for you 
And that begins the things that you, you're thinking about and you're sharing. That's why today's message is called Gratitude's Melody. It's this idea of when you actually think about the relationship that God wants to have, whether you've had that relationship or not, there's real hope there. Because if you can have a relationship with God, and He is who He says He is, He's personal, He's loving, He's powerful, He has provision, He wants to help, He has a well that He wants to give to me and for me to tap into, you're basically saying your needs will get met. That's a tremendous amount of hope. But the only way for our needs to get met is, is where we look and where, where we focus. And fixing our attention on, on God should, should fill us with gratitude. And so I want to kind of go back to the beginning. And that is, what if this is what we really focused on? What if we really did remind ourselves that this is who God is and this is what He's given to us? Or what if, if you've never looked to God for satisfaction, what if you started that today? What if? What if you decided to take God at His word and think, well, if this is who you really are, I cannot find this anywhere else or in any other person. What if that was true? We would all have a different melody in our heart because we would experience God in a new and real way. So I want to encourage you, as as you're kind of getting into the holiday mode and you're thinking through everything, I just want you to consider the question, what, what has God done for you? And if you don't know how to answer that, would you be willing to look to God to actually meet your needs? Because it begins there. If you actually will decide that you can look to God to meet your needs, what I found and what so many people have found is that He will. And so you have to decide where will you get your refreshment and your satisfaction. And over the next few weeks, we're just going to be looking at that and how God has given us so much that just our buckets are full. And because our buckets are so full, we're actually willing to give to others. So I hope you can attend uh, the rest of the series. I'm going to wrap up, and there's some next steps that you can take this morning that you can see on your connection card. And if you haven't finished filling that out, go ahead and do that. And in a moment, we're going to receive our offering, and you can drop it, uh, drop it in there. But maybe you want to memorize uh, Isaiah 58:11. For me, one of the ways I fix my attention on God is I remember the scriptures. And you could say to yourself, the Lord will guide you always. You know, God, that's true. You really do want to guide me. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. There's just a sense in which if that's really true, I don't have to worry, because God will take care of me. Uh, Another next step is maybe you just need to give thanks uh, in your current circumstances. It may not be ideal or what you want. You can look to God. You can thank Him because He's still with you. And then the last is, uh, maybe you just want to go back through read and read Psalm 63. And take some time to do that. In a service, usually, it's 30 to 40 minutes. You don't get a whole lot of time to really read the Scriptures yourself. And so I encourage you this week, sometime, just pick a day and read through that Psalm and, and see, is there anything else God 
God may want to show you through that. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up and then we're going to receive our offering and sing uh, back to God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for being uh, personal and powerful and glorious like no other. Thank you for your provision and the help that you give. God, we want to be people that we actually look to you and we relate to you out of who you are and not out of what we want. And so, God, thank you for your character, which has stood the test of time. And you're completely trustworthy. And God, I pray for anyone here that is just under some circumstances that are difficult or just feels unsatisfied. I I pray, God, that they'll consider looking to you to get help, to get provision, uh, to get perspective. And so, God, I, I ask that you'll draw near to us as we draw near to you. And we thank you for being a God who really does give us immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.